You're listening to the Kingdom Flow Podcast. I'm Kyle Jones. And I'm Ian Sperry. Now more than ever, we're in a time where Christians need to rise up. Business owners and corporate executives have a great opportunity to capture hearts by living out their faith, holding the line that's being challenged every day. Listen in as we work to uncover ways to help you live your life by design and challenge the norm by breaking down barriers and truly encouraging you to go all in on your faith. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. Let's go. Lord Jesus, we are just so grateful to be in this room today. Father, uh, just grateful to be recording offsite here in Alabama for uh, for this men's conference. Father, we're just praying for breakthrough for all of us that are a part of this. And um, Lord, we just want to honor you with this conversation that we're about to have. We give it all to you, and we just ask that you speak through all of us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've got Nate Burkhalter here. Some of you may not know who he is, so we'll let him share his story. Is there... I was thinking about this earlier. Is there something else you'd rather be called than just Nate, like like nasty Nate or Nate Dog? So like like Ian likes to be called Nighthawk sometimes. Nighthawk, like, Nighthawk. Like, that's <laughs> random. I like it though. Nighthawk. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know why you want to be called that. <laughs> not, I'm not called Nighthawk. This is goofy. <laughs> Nighthawk. It's stuck. I like you for the rest of the podcast. I like yeah. Nate Dog. Nate Dog. I like mm-hmm. Nate Dog. That Nate was close. They called me Nasty Nate in high school because I was actually pretty clean. And they knew it oh, would yeah. piss me off. Yeah. Don't call me that. <laughs> and then eventually it became Ninja Nate because I got no American Ninja Warrior. That yeah. was cool for a little while. Now I'm like, I don't want to be Ninja Nate. Yeah. So Nate Dog. Nate Dog. Nate Dog. All, All right. right. Yeah. So All now right. on your speaking circuit, you know, for those listeners who are listening that have influence, it's it's now Nate Dog Burkhalter. Or Nate Dog B. That didn't maybe. flow too well. Nate, Nate B. Nate, Nate B. Nate B. Nate B. My tagline is no limits, Nate. That's more of the official there you go. Oh, I like that. bio. And, and to get spiritual, I believe there's no limit to what God can do through our life. Amen. When we've learned to yeah. truly submit it to him. Yeah, and then detach ourselves from the result. Right. Yeah. So I believe that breaking limitations in that sense. But well, Natty B, Nate Dog right B. now. Let's go with that one. <laughs> I like it, man. Yeah. So, uh, man. Thanks for taking the time. So just, you know, in the prayer, listeners obviously heard we're on location. We're here at a men's conference in, in Decatur, Alabama. You are one of the main speakers. Ian and I are just one of the the breakout speakers. You know, we'll, you know. They, you know this, yeah. uh, <laughs> they just threw us in there, I guess. It's all right. It's okay. Um, that, means, uh, that means y'all have the substance and I have the hype. <laughs> oh, I like that too. There you go. There, there, go. there you go. I think that's what that means. But, uh, <laughs> man, I know you're busy and... Um, I've I've gotten to know you a little bit just through some some previous conversations you and I had. Obviously, we've got a ton of mutual contacts. Mm-hmm. Ian doesn't really know you that well right now. He's getting mm-hmm. to know you, but um, we'd love for you to share your story. So you already mentioned American Warrior or American, sorry, American Ninja Warrior. Ninja. Uh, that is, you know, Nate Burkhalter. That's where they, that he was. He was an American Ninja Warrior champion. Not champion. champion. I said Sorry. the same thing earlier. Not okay. champion. Yeah. Runner up? You, you can more or less call me a runner up, but okay. I was I was one of the <laughs> competitors. I almost won. <laughs> he was an American Ninja Warrior <laughs> competitor. He did it. It's the worst when you get introduced on stage and you have to back down champion. from that. <laughs> Not quite champion. I was <laughs> yeah. I made it to the Super Bowl and we lost. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, really a, good. that's a good sports representation. Uh, but uh but yeah, just tell us a little bit about, uh, we do want to, we, we typically don't get into the whole stories aspect of it, but this is, I think, relevant to you and just where you are and where we do want to ultimately 
tie this back into how you are currently living in the flow mm -hmm. on the spiritual side of it, the journey that God has brought you on. And um, man, just your heart to impact other people. Cause I know that's, that's a big part of, of your desire, especially um, with you getting more into the speaking world and, and speaking to churches and other corporations and everything like that. So, um, you know, I know imparting your wisdom in, in that capacity is important to you. So maybe just um, jump into it. You know, how did you, wherever you want to start, like uh, go for it. Yeah. Well, Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Thank yeah. you all for having me on this. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It's cool seeing all the mutual connections that, that we have in this room. Yeah. And, you know, how we got connected through Steve Weatherford. Yeah. And, and he's the reason I moved up to Frisco, Texas, left Houston and moved up north to be more of a part of what he's, he's doing as I've stepped more into this public realm. Yeah. You know, a little bio would say I'm a seven-time American Ninja Warrior. So that's where I've gotten more of a public persona. And I was a three-time finalist. Almost won one year, but I didn't win that show. So I don't claim that. But that was a cool journey that God brought me on after learning the process of, you know, we all hear about salvation, but then there's this, this process of surrender and submission. Yeah. You really submit your life to God. Yeah, That's sure. when something can, can be done with it, where he can shape it in his direction. So I, I got to that process. And then a few years later, this cool thing called still getting to be an athlete popped up. I was 28 at the time. Yeah, That's an interesting journey. In parallel with being in the corporate world for 10 years, that's what brought me to Houston. And I got to travel internationally. So I've been to 35 countries at this point, lived in three different continents. So I have kind of Jeez, the adrenaline man. junkie, adventure side, the <laughs> corporate, some fun adventure mission trips that I've gotten to do in Latin America and, and overseas. And then this athlete bio. And now I'm in more of the full-time speaking world, seeking to impact people. Yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked to be here at this conference. Like this is yeah. where my heart's at. Yeah. Yeah. To be in a place to help activate men, empower them, encourage them, give them a new perspective. Most of the time, I think with men, reminding them we have to be fully submitted. Yeah. And, and men that are married are like, they love that Bible verse about women, wives, submit to your husband. Yes, like, Lord. hey, we are called to submit <laughs> to right. God and serve and sacrifice. That's right. yeah. And that's where <clears throat> we get to see significance. And that's where fulfillment comes from. And yeah. I, I think there was a place in my life before before really surrendering to Jesus, it was, how do I achieve success and find some happiness and do things on my terms? I was a preacher's kid, so I knew all the ways to mm. look the part and do some good morality and this and that sprinkled in. But a couple of years after graduating college at Louisiana Tech, getting into the corporate world. Were you born and raised in Louisiana? Born in Tennessee. Okay. My dad was a preacher. Moved to Arkansas and then North Louisiana. Eventually ended up in South Louisiana. I knew I liked you. So I'm from Louisiana. Franklin, you're just Cajun. Like, no, dude, I'm he's Louisiana. He's Cajun, though. So I'm, oh, I'm, oh, I'm Cajun, man. I got that Cajun. Yeah, yeah. See? I eat some crawfish. Boy, I worked on a lot of farms. There you go. <laughs> so you got a little twang <laughs> to him. I like well, it. Yeah, baby. I've just been I international. Like it, I've yeah, lost yeah, that yeah, accent. Shot, baby. Up. We, now we're over here. That's right. Shot, baby. Yeah. Oh, cut it, though. Ooh, this is going to be good. So I, I sprinkled a little bit of the, the bio to say those are some highlights. We've all got mm -hmm. highlights in life. I got yeah. plenty of lowlights and have been the, the low life side of things. And, and we can dig into some of those things as you find it relevant. Yeah. But I'll sprinkle out a few pieces of this bio to say the things I'm known for now, it's mostly through American Ninja Warrior and a process of faith. You know, you talked about living in the flow. I wanted to control my life pretty heavily mm. early on. I didn't mm -hmm. see a good example of a strong Christian leader. I had a good mom and dad, although my dad had a lot of anger and, and poverty mentality. Mm. So it was kind of like, all right, this is what That's Christianity looks like. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, 
I'm finding myself being told not to stand up for myself or not to have confidence. I didn't have a lot of vision for what my life could look like, especially in the faith community, because mm. I didn't have a lot of good examples. Yeah. My dad was very loyal. He was a faithful man. It had a lot of great qualities, but I didn't see the abundance in the places that many of us are living in now and the, the men that we're going to be around this weekend. Mm-hmm. So as I got into high school, a twig of a person, 115 pounds, graduated high school at 130 pounds and six foot tall, oh. homeschooled some, got back to public school, wanted to play sports and you can't walk onto the football team in that nature. The coaches are like, no, nah, get out of here, boy. <laughs> so I played tennis because in South Louisiana, no one cares about tennis. <laughs> There's choice words that they call people that play that. I'll stay away from those. You play tennis. Well, I did too. Oh, no, I, dude, I, didn't play, I can't play tennis. I did. That's what I got into because it was the only sport that didn't really have any competition to it at the time. Oh, that's funny. Then get to college and, and get more into athletics, put on a lot of weight because I learned how to train more effectively and try to walk on the football team. And I'm saying this through a lens of I begin, there were, there were things inside of me that I wanted to do that it were like passions, competing, athletics, adventure. And then there was the, how do I avoid hurt? How do I never step into something that would expose me as, as being inadequate or not having what it takes? And, yeah. and men, I think we, a lot of times ask that question, do I have what it takes sure. in whatever we're doing? And if our identity hasn't been rewired in the right place, if we don't have it from the foundation that I am a, an adopted son of God that I've been chosen into this family, then we, we're left to figure it out on our own and try to prove ourselves. And there's yeah. good things about proving ourselves. And I also learned there's the bad side of that where you want to control. I learned, all right, what can I do? What can I avoid to make sure it doesn't expose me as a potential failure? Sports kind of scared me in that sense. When I tried to walk onto the football team at Louisiana Tech, I really had a passion for it, but I was also very afraid. What if I don't make it? What if I get exposed? What if something happens that makes me look weak or embarrasses me or there's a public failure? And that was enough to keep me from fully going for it. So I gave it a 60 or yeah. 70% effort. Didn't work out. I had an injury and it was kind of like, I tried. Yeah, so <laughs> How many yeah, of us in life, sure, sure. Yeah. we don't give it the full effort yeah. because then it gives us the excuse that if it was a failure, I didn't fail. Yeah. It just didn't it work out. Reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, you know, I didn't give it my best. I was guilty of that. Right. Yeah. I, I was guilty of that just this last weekend. Uh, You're supposed you, to have he was guilty of that point. recently in, in half marathons. <laughs> so, that, he and then he and that's another story. So well, uh, let me just tell it because since it's it's my story to tell. Yeah, Were you so. running a whole marathon and then no, got halfway and was half like, marathon. No. so the last I beat we, him twice. we, we ran upset. three marathons. Well, the first time he beat me, it was a it was basically a, a DNF for me. Okay, I, because you know I had a very bad hip injury, and then the next time I was coming over, uh, coming through a sickness, so I was really yeah. congested. So yeah. he he ended up uh, getting a good time, and then I signed up for one more. Cause I wasn't going to let him beat me, Nate, mm. Natty, Natty B. And, uh, I feel you on that. And, 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 and my people in, though. and I smoked him by four seconds. Four seconds he beat me. So now I've got to do another half marathon. That's, that's your point. Right right his face. I didn't tell him I was actually signed up until like two days before. And I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about running this. Thinking is the key but word. Then, but then I, you know, just in case I didn't beat him, then I wouldn't tell him that I, that I ran it. But, <laughs> so I can, I can attest to what you're talking about. But before we get too far, <clears throat> I want to jump back to being a PK because- I was going to ask the same thing. Well, go ahead. No, no, just something similar. No. Yeah. I mean, we can stay here for a minute because yeah. I think it's relevant to, you know, there's, I don't, I don't know how many PK listeners we have, if any, but- um, Pastor's kids for those that don't know yeah, what PK is. So, but 
It's usually a pretty bad stigma. It is, but it but it could go both ways. Both, right? both ways, yep. yeah. I usually see the extremes. And yeah. so rarely the balance. Th- the question is growing up in that, like when um when did you feel like as part of your life that you needed to really make your faith your own versus just being under the covering of your your parents, right? And them leading you, leading a church as well. Like when did you feel like um, hey, I need to make this my own because I truly believe this. You've already mentioned some things like identity and whatnot, but mm-hmm. um, I'm just curious because um, it, even even me growing up in the church um, was not a pastor's kid, but it was very easy for me to fall into um, just my parents' faith because they were right. so faithful right. and just be like, oh, my parent, kind of like they got it. Like yep. they're already providing for me. They can just provide my faith for me too, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that that you can share? Like where, where did it unlock for you? Yeah, that's a unique question, actually. I would say there's a couple of key places in my life where I saw something significant change. So at seven years old was when I had a lot of anger and noticed that coming out in a lot of fights with my siblings. Something happened where I hurt my sister pretty bad, cracked her head open from pushing mm. her down into where she hit in the bathtub. Wow. And Jeez. she's bleeding. We had to take her to the emergency room. And I'm terrified, mostly because I know I'm in big trouble and I'm about to get the best spanking of my life. Oh, yeah. But then I'm also fearful for my sister. Did I hurt her? So that was the first time I had a grasp of my own brokenness or sin or anger. At seven. At seven. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I have the memory. My dad told me I was seven. So that's how I correlate. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what else I can yeah, remember sure, at seven years yeah, old. Yeah. But you got your bikes and you can ride around the neighborhood. <clears throat> so I remember remember learning what sarcasm was because someone down the road told me, I love Barney. Barney's the coolest thing ever. They were like three years older than us. And I was like, what? That's the dumbest show. How could you like that? And they're like, ha ha, we're just being sarcastic. I was like, oh, sarcasm. That's yeah. what it means. No, yeah. I learned sarcasm at seven years old. So in this, this moment, my dad comes in after the emergency room visit and sits down on the bed next to me and I'm weeping because I know I'm, I'm in bad shape in yeah. multiple ways. And unfor- unfortunately, he didn't discipline me there. He just said, Nate, you know, do you understand why you do these things, these mm. bad things? I'm like, I don't know, dad. I, I can't control it. It's not fair. Mm. Uh, he said, if you invite Jesus in your heart, he can redeem you and cleanse you from some of the stuff. Mm. So in my concept at that time, I remember going, I want that. And I, I prayed this prayer to accept Jesus and, and be renewed and anger left in that, wow. in that part of my life. It changed. And I could sense in hindsight, having the Holy Spirit speak to me. Like there were, there were places that, 11 years old or 12 years old in North Louisiana, where I got some friends that are getting beers from their grandpa's um, shed. And they're like, here, you want one? And I just felt like this internal, I don't think I'll get caught, but this isn't a wise decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And they're like making fun of me. I have new friends. I just moved to a new place and I'm trying to fit in. Mm. And I would feel this prompting, like, don't do that. Mm. So I, I would look back and see the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I say that to say, as I was raised in the church, I learned a lot of what I'm supposed to do and supposed to look like in the religious sense, but I didn't really fully feel my development grow in the place of a deep connection to God. I just kind of knew what I was supposed to do. Some of that was, I don't know. I mean, I got exposed to porn at a young age, had a journey with that. We don't have to go into that here. But as I got into high school, I was like, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to. And I, I'm trying to be a good person, but I'm also kind of a hypocrite. I'm judging this guy for whatever he's doing over here on the weekend. And then I've got my own faults and sins that I, I'm happy to share here, but also sure. we'll keep it yeah. more down low. 
And as I'm struggling through the pornography battle, I'm I'm making light of this other guy who's who's getting drunk and doing sure. something else. I'm like, how could you be sinning like that? I got my own issues. So I was more of a hypocrite and judgmental because I wasn't really operating from a deeper understanding and relationship with Jesus as much as I was like, I know what we're supposed to look like and what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So as I get through high school and tying it into a, a more decision point, when I left high school, I was kind of like, I'm done with the church stuff. I've been here five days a week all my life. I mow the grass. I run the sound. Wow. I help lead worship. We were at a smaller church, like 150 people. I did everything and I was just over it. I'm like, church means you just have to serve like crazy and look the part. And this guy on the deacon board cheated mm-hmm. on his wife and my dad confronted him and he tried to kick my dad out of the church for it. And I'm like, these people are just all kind of hypocrites. And yeah. what's the point of all this stuff? Really? I understood morality <clears throat> and some level of faith. So as I got to college, I was like, I'm done with that. I didn't go wild. I did start partying a little bit, but it was just like, I just wanted a little bit of freedom. And through that process, found a little bit more of myself in the way of gaining some confidence and then got plugged into a church that was more real and authentic and had some great leaders. And I was like, oh, this is, this is different. I, I wasn't expecting this. I thought they were just going to rope me in to make me sit up chairs for every night of the week. Sure. But I, I never fully committed. Like I had a youth great college pastor who began speaking life into me, but I couldn't be open about where I was. I couldn't talk about a struggle with porn. I couldn't talk about insecurities I had because I thought unmasking myself meant now I'm going to be rejected. They're going to kick me out of the church because I'm not perfect. These fears that I had, they were irrational, but they were shame-based and they were, they were still effective in keeping me from being real with who I was and where I was at that time. So as I worked my way through college, get an engineering degree, graduate, get a great job in Houston. And like, life's looking pretty good. I got a good paying job. I'm still a pretty good dude. Um, I say that in a, in a sarcastic sense of like typical morality, yeah. Yeah. you know, passive Christianity. It's like, I go to church every once in a while. I'm doing good stuff and I'm a good person. That was me. And I had, I had gotten to a bad place like my senior year of college of like, you know what? Maybe I should just say, screw all this and live life on my terms. I did a little bit. And I was miserable. Mm. I was just so sick and gut-wrenched with like conviction from the Holy Spirit that I, as I got to Houston, I, I cleaned it up a little bit. I'm plugged into a church. I'm working my career. And two years into that, I find myself at a breaking point of like, everything looks great. I got a great job. They're telling me I got uh, a great trajectory in this career path at ExxonMobil. I could, I could reach high levels here. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do. I'm, I'm in a relationship that was good. But it also felt like, is this what I have to settle for? This mm. is, mm. this is the kind of woman that I'm going to be married to forever. Like some good things, and also a lot of issues she won't address. But this is what you're supposed to do next. So I'm having this breaking point of this is what life is supposed to look like for the next 35 years, 40 years. And a mentor there was like, hey man, just just buckle down, get your job done, do that. You're going to retire with five million in the bank. You'll be good. You'll go get to do the things you want to do that are purpose oriented after you retire, and just play this game. And this is life. And I'm kind of like, man, all I see is these like very passive men at church. They haven't impressed me with, with what their life looks like. Not about being flashy, but just yeah, yeah. living the and fruit. being alive. Sure, sure. And so in this place, I find Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Yep. I've talked about that book before. Every man needs an adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to rescue. And it, it had some very interesting concepts that it was geared towards a guy like me that had been raised in the church. It was kind of stuck. And as this mentor retires as he's telling me work your career he retires a month later i get a notification that he passed away in his sleep he died and it kind of rocked me because it's like this guy is just beginning his life and he's Mm. telling me to pause my life 
and then be able to begin it when I retire. And his life ended and it was a, a shaking. I'm reading this book and it's talking about, and Jesus promises, promises us abundant life. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to bring abundant life. I'm like, I'm not living in abundant life. I'm playing it safe. I'm kind of miserable here. I'm not at rock bottom. I didn't have a drug alcohol problem that caused me to crash, but I, I'm doing the best I can. And this is miserable. So God, are you really real? Is there more here? And to answer your question, Kyle, this is where the moment happened. It was a season, but it also came down to a kind of a weekend. Like, God, are you really real? Because if you are, I'm all in and I will submit my whole life and whatever that looks like. If I got to quit my job and move to Africa and be a missionary in a mud hut, which didn't sound appealing, sound like the worst punishment I could ever imagine. God, if that's it, I'll do that because I know you're going to give me purpose because you're real. But if you're not real and this is all just religious crap that we're just doing because we're supposed to, I'm going to go live life on my terms for real, for real. Yeah. And just say, screw all this. And some crazy things happened. Some new supernatural stuff happened. I saw some demonic activity. I saw some, I got some prophetic words spoken to me. Had someone like read my mail in the spiritual sense. And then I, I went to this small church, more charismatic, got filled with the spirit and <clears throat> worship came alive. I had an incredible moment just feeling God's like physical presence, like holding my shoulders and just saying, son, I'm proud of you. Wow. Like I had an identity shift and that really changed things for me. So I, I believe in this format now. I talk about it a little bit in some of my story. And I say the first process is salvation. You understand a free gift that you can't earn. And then there's surrender. Like, all right, I, this isn't working for me. Like, hands up. Like someone puts a gun to you. You're like, okay, hands up. I'm good. I, I surrender. But you haven't submitted to that person. You're just like, I'm waiting for them to put the gun down so you can punch them and run away. The next step in, the, in this process is submission. Like I submit to the path you have for me, whoever is leading me. I'm going to lay my life down into that. And then in that submission path, you're going to have to sacrifice. Sure. There's going to be things that you give up. You're going to have to serve. But doing so begins to lead to this place of significance. And that's what we all, our hearts cry is significance. Now the world's output of that is like success. I want to find some success. And it never really manifests. So in this place, that's at 26 years old when I hit a spot of I'm all in and I saw God really powerfully show up. And then I, I became really filled with the spirit because mm. a lot of things shifted in me and that identity change after going through a little bit of a wilderness season yeah. then led to some pretty cool stuff later on in life that, that I would ca- talk about in the bio and yeah. plenty of things to overcome in that. But is, thanks for sharing. Are you, is your, is your dad still alive? Yes. He's still alive. Is he still a pastor? No. I, I convinced him to step away two years ago. Really? It just wasn't really working for him. He was playing it safe in a lot of places. What denomination? He was Southern Baptist. Okay. Probably more non-denominational in his viewpoint, but just kind of stuck inside the Southern Baptist place. Yeah. And he had no financial future and I was prepping to leave my career. And so I was like, dad, I'm not going to be able to take care of you guys right now. I'm going to go through a transition season Wow. and we need to do some stuff to financially get you more established. So I convinced him to quit. I gave him some, some carrots in that process and then got him to buy and flip a house. And then he and I are doing a real estate deal right now together. I bought the property and he's renovating the house and then we're subdividing the lots and selling that off. So there's still a lot of ministry. My dad's a great counselor, good communicator, and has a lot of giftings that he still wants to use in ministry, but he needed a season off. He just, he was a pastor all my life, but also had to work at least part-time most of my life as a carpenter, construction, painter. Wow. So- He's still got some life on the table in that, but he's not a pastor right now. And that was, 
mostly by my design and intention because he just needed a yeah. pause from that. Well, I, I was just asking that just because it, it seems like um, you, you know, you came from a, a, a community, like you said, it. you said there's a poverty mentality there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know you very well, but just seeing you, there's not an ounce of that on you, right? Like you're Praise alive. Yeah, well, no, there's just not, right? You're alive. You're, 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 that's tra- God's transformation. Yeah. Which, and that's, it, it kind of leads into, um, like, how did that in the church today a lot? And I don't know why I'm getting on this subject, but that's just kind of how this podcast goes sometimes. The, the, the thought process of, you know, the church, um, this poverty mentality, mm-hmm. how did that, how did that shift and change? And does, did that affect your family at all? Like the dynamic and relationship in that, or, uh, does that make sense? Did my shifting out of a yeah, poverty like mentality the breaking effect? through, right? Cause I, I, I too came from a, um, I felt like in the church world, we were forced to believe that you had to be poor in order to be a believer. Yeah. Right. You had to be, you had the to. The ones that are believers have forsaken the things of the world. Yeah, exactly. And, right? and if God wants them to have wealth, which some people he does, he'll just lay it in their well, lap. You, you just said it though. You even said it as part of your story. So many people, I don't know how many times I've heard this. They don't know what else to do. They have a radical shift in their life. But, and their first thought is, wow, I need to go, I need to go to Africa. Africa. Yeah, I exactly. need to be a missionary. Yeah. I need to be a missionary. Yeah. I need to go yeah. do I need this. Or at minimum, which, I got to be a pastor. Which is not <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. that's not a, obviously that is certainly not a bad thing. Right. And when there's a radical shift and you don't, you don't know anything different, that's, that's true. But like it, the, the people in some cases that act on it and they go and they live overseas for many. so many years. Yeah. They're. That Frankly, a lot of those people called. are they not called, called to be there. Yes. They're not there. Yeah. They're not. So yeah. the fruit is not there. So I guess yeah. I, you know, I even heard you say that I picked up on that, but I think I'm curious too, like wh- were there any, um, any anchors or chains that were kind of, that you had to break through with your family to. Yeah. To, to, to go through. And like, what was the, the process where you woke up? Cause I remember for me, it was like, wait a second, the Bible that I'm reading does not tell me that I need to be poor and destitute. Yeah in order to, in order to have a relationship with the Lord. Right. And so when did that, you know, and I think there's a lot of people, honestly, that have grown up in church that listen to our podcast that, that have that same, um, that same mentality. Mm -hmm. When did that, when did that come off of you? were like, dude, I'm done. Like, and again, I just see you in the gym. I see, I've met you a couple of times now and it's like, you're full of life. You're full of excitement and Mm -hmm. you're full of passion, which most people that have a poverty mentality do not have that. Does yeah. that make sense? They're yeah. more Eeyore spirits is like, I like to call them. That's good. Um, so when did that, when did that shift happen and did it affect your family? Did you, were you able to call your family up? It kind of sounds like you were right. Yeah. Like you're able to, Hey, this is kind of what more God's doing. Same thing kind of in my life with mm-hmm. my family as well. So I'd just be interested to. Yeah. Great, great perspective or question. I would say, you know, just with the Africa piece, feeling like, all right, God, to follow you means I got to go be this broke missionary in a miserable place. I've been to Africa. It's actually pretty cool. But you know the paradigm yeah. we have. Well, the opposite happened. When I fully went all in for God, I saw these passions inside of me awaken, mm. and it was drawing me towards places, nothing like going to be a missionary in Africa. I felt more alive in my career than I ever had. I started yeah. seeing promotions and blessings because I would take a risk, whereas I used to play it safe. I started stepping into new things. And I saw God breaking off some of those paradigms. When I went from high school, which was, I'm not an Eeyore personality, but Mm -hmm. I I had the weight and suppression of like all this religion and the poverty 
experience. I didn't really want to be poor, but we were poor. Yeah. And I was very aware of it because everyone had more than we did. And I'm working two jobs just to have a broken vehicle. Hmm. Like this sucks, man. Why, why is this God's will for our life? Yeah. And, and you know, f- funny joke, bless, bless your heart. Bless my dad's heart. Like he was full in faith. He's like, if, if God has more for us, he's going to be, he's going to give us more. And my dad's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. He got stuck in some of these paradigms. Mm. He didn't want to be there. I know he has a heart to, to make his life count. So as I got to college, I got just more freedom, mostly from just partying a little bit and just like, you know what? I'm going to loosen up a little. But I saw more of my, my true spirit and personality come out in a good way. And then as I had some good men and leaders speak life into me, like, hey, man, that, that's you. That's who you're meant to be. You don't need alcohol to do that. You don't need these other things. Like, that's what God's put inside of you. Yeah. And when I went into the place of this true come to Jesus experience, I had some really powerful men and some women in my life that were able to speak life. And the mm. guy that I was drawn to most at that season, his name was Pastor Steve Blanchard out in Katy, Texas, at a small church called Four Winds International Church. Mm. And it was met in the elementary school. I was going to the 429 in Houston because I was like, I was excited for like, let me get out of this kind of religious box of these khaki wearing Christians who were very just like, gentle. And I was like, I need some men that are alive because yeah. I feel like I need to be alive here. And I don't want to fall in these boxes of just, oh, hi, and being very soft and polite. I wanted to live. Yeah. And I was really drawn to this guy. He was like six foot five. It had played, almost played pro basketball, still lifting, was smart, was good looking, was very articulate, powerful in the spirit. I heard one of his messages. I'm like, I've got to hear this guy. And then he was also very successful financially and had other businesses and had done a lot of things. He was the first example I ever saw of oh. someone who was in like five pillars of, of faith, of fitness, of family, finances, and then some level of fun. Like, that's what I want to be. That's a great example. This guy's a believer. And listening to him preach, speak, very prophetic, spent a lot of time in the scripture, a lot of time in prayer. I was like, that's an incredible example of someone who's fully alive. And he spoke a lot of life into me. And I could look at these paradigms of poverty gospel and prosperity gospel. Sure. We know both yeah. of them are incomplete and broken. That's right. There's also ways that you could try to validate both sides of that. But I see a lot more biblical proof for prosperity gospel than I do for poverty gospel. Mm, absolutely. And so as I'm wrestling through and reading these scriptures and like, God, I want everything you have for me, but I don't want anything that's not of you. And I know that the root, the love of money is the root of all evil. So any kind of focus truly on money is going to lead me away. But if I stay Matthew 6, 33, your, seek your kingdom first and your right. way of doing things, other things will fall into place. And then harvest season comes from planting seeds. Harvest season is one of the hardest working times. I've done a lot of farm work. You got to work a lot in harvest. So I started seeing these parallels of successful people who were, had, had a lot of faith and did a lot of good things with that. Okay, that's a God thing. Seeing fruit, seeing God bless certain ways of working hard, providing value, solving problems. That's a biblical concept. The more examples I saw, the more I was like, gave myself permission to like begin living more in that way. And as my identity changed and people spoke life into it, it gave me the confidence to kind of step more in, I wouldn't call it the spotlight, but I was very shy and like kind of hidden, didn't want to speak in front of anyone. Engineering was like a way to hide, but still find success. I still had a desire and a drive ambitious wise to make my life count. But I was like, it was so hard to fit in these all these religious paradigms. Mm. I can't be an athlete because you're seen and you're too public. I, I can't be a, a salesperson. You're out and flashy. I can't be a speaker. 
I guess a pastor or preacher is kind of considered okay, even though they look last year successful. That's okay. I don't want to do that. Where can I like find some kind of success and financial security and still hide and not look flashy? Cause that means you're bad. I had a lot of false humility. I didn't understand mm. it. A lot mm. of false humility. And so as God changed that, eventually my identity was grew enough where I'm like, man, I can, I can be what God's made me to be. And I can step into the desires that he's got for me. He's placing those in my heart. And as I've checked them through the scripture, I see that they're good. I'm, you know, who can trust the heart? It's eternally deceitful. It's wicked. Right. And then I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So when you begin going through this process of redemption, then he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Why would he give us the desires of a broken or bad heart? But when yeah. he's redeemed it, that's right. there's things there for us. And, and I've it's learned good. to listen to so that. Good. And one of them was like, Nate, you're still an athlete. I remember hearing that at like 27 years old. You're still an athlete. You're not done there. Like kind of in my spirit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep training for stuff. You know, and most pro athletes are, they're starting from eight years old and they're hitting pro status by 23 or 24. And I'm, I'm not even an amateur athlete at this point, but I begin focused and training it several different ways. And a year later, this TV show, American Ninja Warrior popped in my lap by way of a friend, Kyle, not this Kyle, but another Kyle mm -hmm. in Houston texted me saying, dude, you got to apply for this American Ninja Warrior TV show. And I got really excited in my spirit. Like immediately, I wow. feel like God had something there for me. And then I, I had all these old fears pop up of, and I remember in high school, like I was too scared to try out for the football team. I wanted to, but I was just too aware of how weak I was or how this is going to be an embarrassment. Or in college when I actually tried out for the team, but I was also really afraid because I was like, there's real chance of failure and embarrassment and injury and not working out and feeling like I don't have what it takes. Because my identity was more in, I'll only do something if I think I can actually win in it. Mm, yeah. Now my identity had shifted where, so good, Nate. God, do you have something for me there? Well, I'm going to separate myself from the result and I'm going to give it all I've got 100%. Right. Mm -hmm. It's Deuteron Deuteronomy 429 from the church we went to, yeah. 429. Because if you seek me with all your heart, all your soul, that's where you'll find me. Yeah. And as an athlete, when a coach says, give me your all, they typically say, give me a 100%, mm -hmm. 110%. So I, I saw that concept and I'm like, wow, God, I've, I've given you like 60%, 70%, 80% in places in my life. And a lot of times if you're somewhat talented, you can get by with that. People think you're giving it your all. I did that with God and I never actually found God until 26 and I'm like, God, I'm all in. Yeah, and wow. that's when it, it awakened for me. So, you know, you're, 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 you're experiencing what we like to call kingdom flow at this right. point in your life. Mm. When you start talking about being spirit filled, spirit led, just being open to be used by mm -hmm. truly be used by God. Mm -hmm. Obviously in your, in your innocence, your heart posture was right. When you made the comment about I'll, I'll go to Africa if I need to, yeah. like we, you know, your intentions are pure there. And, and I think, and I will say most people who's, who say comments like that or have that kind of thought, that's that their intentions are pure. But, um, but it's truly taking it a step further and seeking it out in, in which you did. But before you really get into the, uh, the, the ninja stories, I wanted to go back a little bit too. you know, growing up Southern Baptist, um, I also grew up Southern Baptist, Sorry. but it's, uh, no, I'm, th I'm very thankful for it. I'm very <laughs> thankful for it. If you're still it. Southern Baptist, like I no, got you, a lot but, of love for but you. But you know what, ah, you ah. know, you know what though? What it did was it, it, there are, because it was very, it felt very rule driven, right? Yeah. Like the Bible yeah. is a book of rules, but, and not from a legalistic standpoint, 
but there is a standard that we have to uphold. Yeah. Living in Absolutely. the flow. And, and so that's what I am grateful for about my Baptist upbringing, because these aren't rules, but there are standards in which yeah. God calls us to live by. So we got to, we got to do that. Like we, we can do what we need to do what the Bible says yeah. because yeah. we want to, and because we desire to, because we have an identity that is rooted in Christ and, and because we want to be truly used by Christ. Um, but the, one of the things that you, you've mentioned twice now is, is experiencing some sort of, uh, prophetic, uh, encounters. And I'm curious going back to the, the first time that you had that encounter. Um, and I, you didn't, I don't think you mentioned how old you were, but you were starting to like, well, it was shortly after or shortly before you, I guess you got baptized in the, in the spirit. Mm-hmm. What was that like experiencing like First, you said you experienced somebody who was demon possessed, and then immediately you had another experience that was more prophetically like driven and communication, whatever it was. Um, what was what was that like? Like what coming from Southern Baptist? Coming too. from Southern Baptist, because I mean, like I have my adoption into like being truly led by the Spirit was a gradual mm-hmm. progression. Mm-hmm. So I was like. You know, like, like if you're getting into a cold tub, you don't just jump right in. You know, first it's my foot in, yeah. Then it's my knee, then it's my waist, then then it's my chest. Like, so that was kind of my my journey. What was that like? What was that experience like? <laughs> Mine was a little more abrupt, but I, I think God had planted some seeds in my path when I was younger. One, my dad was a pastor in South Louisiana, and he did deliverance often. Wow. People would come yeah. through our church, and I don't know how he had the indicators. The but, voodoo. But he would, yeah, mostly the voodoo. voodoo. Especially <laughs> where we were outside of Eunice, Louisiana and Mamou, dude, Louisiana. Mamou, That's like dude. two of the, it's big. the oldest. It's true. Yeah, it's like that in New Orleans are the yeah. two bad spots. Yeah. So he encountered well, a lot of that stuff. We're, that's real life, okay? Yeah. Just mention Mamou. Talk to that again. Mamou. We've never really talked about that. We're yeah. laughing and joking about that. No, that's true. There are people in this life that expose themselves to witchcraft, like true witchcraft yeah. and yeah. voodoo. And and they essentially self-sabotage themselves and bring this demonic oppression upon themselves when it shouldn't even be there. But I'd, I wanted to just call attention to that because that's a very real um, reality for a lot of people in this part of the country. And if somebody's listening outside of like the, the Gulf Coast, they Dude, may not yeah. have experience with that. Well, that's very real, but that's also maybe not the practical sense of most people's experience. Very mm-hmm. few people are going to go into a crazy seance led demonic experience sure. or, or fully get into something like voodoo. Most people have a paradigm of like, it's probably not good. Now there are Ouija board. There maybe, are a decent yeah. amount where like they get deceived into something. Maybe it's the Ouija board. Yeah. You know, if, if especially back in the day, if you go to a porn website, you don't realize that there's agreements and cookies and things that your computer is now being infiltrated on yeah. from that website. You just <clears> thought you were looking at something and the enemy does the same thing in our life where he's like a really good lawyer. There's spiritual contracts and agreements and there's things that are happening. We don't realize that we're making some kind of agreement. You do a play with a Ouija board. You're allowing a spiritual entity to have influence into your life. There's so much we could go into that paradigm. I'm saying for most of our listeners, I I doubt many of them are actually tempted or have any experience with voodoo. They may, but this is, but that's, that's very real that we are encountering. That's a very real thing. And that's the kind of stuff like just take a Ouija board, for example. Yeah. 
um, we were, I was Southern Baptist. We were not allowed, like, yeah, absolutely we, I didn't have any, I knew frankly, that was I didn't have any thing. friends. Yeah. So, and I knew that was bad, yeah. but, but even somebody that like, I don't know, you, you just never know what, what little things like that, that we could have been exposed to in our life that we never give any thought to yeah. that could be holding us back to an extent. Right. And that's, that's real life. But I, we digressed and I, I want to go back to your encounter now, yeah. though. Tell a story. There's a few different ones. All right. So I had experience with that, hearing about it when my dad would come home and say, you know, I'm 12 years old. Hey, we had this 90 year old lady in my office. I had two deacons next to her. She started manifesting a demon. They're holding her down with everything they can. And she's like pushing them off and flinging them around while talking in this very mm. deep, scary, dark voice and saying things that she should have no idea about me. And wow. I'm like, he, he would, he would never exaggerate. My dad's very like ho-hum. He does not lie. He was just kind of matter of fact, you know, it was interesting how this was happening. And I'm just like, wow. He wouldn't freak me out. He wouldn't give too much, but it just planted seeds. That happened several times. So I had that seed of my teenage years. When I was nine years old, we had something happen in our house in Memphis. We were pretty poor there. Couldn't pay our bills. I remember like family gathering around in this house we lived at in the hood. Like, hey, we're praying that God's going to meet some of our needs because dad's working as much as he can, but we can't pay our bills. We don't have money to turn the heat on. We're like bundled up. It's wintertime. Mm. We pray. The next, that night, we hear this bang on our door. Boom, 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 boom. And we, we kind of freak out, go look out, like peek out of the windows. Nothing's there. Go back to bed. Mom wakes up the next morning, goes on the front porch to have her coffee in her quiet time. And on the front door is this big envelope with a, a just a thick envelope taped to the door, like duct taped. She pulls it off, opens it up, and it's uh, about 50, $100 bills, $5,000. It's in a stack right there. And so as a kid, I have, I don't know, I want to find this thing because I'm writing a book and I want that picture to be in the book. But I have this, this picture of me holding $5,000 in like this Looney Tunes t-shirt, just bowl cut. And I'm like, whoa, you know, wow. I've never seen $100 or maybe I've seen it before, but whoa. That's awesome. So we saw this kind of miracle happen from prayer. Fast forward into this place of the typical American atrophy towards spiritual stuff. Like the devil doesn't exist. That's all mm. kind of made up thing in your mind. There's no spiritual warfare. These are just metaphors in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. I'm starting to believe some of this stuff. Well, the story I'll share is after I had a certain experience, but saw a demon manifest in someone. It, that was a little more benign. But with this pastor I mentioned earlier, Pastor Steve, we went to India like six months later. And there's a lot of crazy spiritual stuff that happened over oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Manifestation. A lot of the people I brought were from Second Baptist Church in Houston with me. And I had heard about some of this stuff before and began being prepped, but I hadn't really experienced it. But they had never even heard of the concept. And here's one that's interesting. Which uh, concept specifically? Like demon so, manifestation? So demon manifestation yeah. or even believing in demons. Yeah. And here's how we'll tie it from Southern Baptist, which I was raised in, to when you read the Bible, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Mm, prophecy. Yeah. Um, miracles healings, mm. word of knowledge, tongues, tongues. Yeah. tongues. When I heard about tongues, I experienced that in 15 years old, working at the Southern Baptist camp. And we had a Pentecostal group there and they came out of the, the, the chapel room at nine o'clock at night. And you hear all this crazy stuff going on. And I was so freaked out. And someone told me, Oh, that those people have demons. And so <laughs> wow. I thought speaking in tongues was like fully demonic. Yeah. Wow. And, and there is a demonic speaking in tongues. You want to go down that road, but the enemy can work in a similar sure. way. Yeah. So I had some of these weird frameworks. Well, fast forward to me being 26. I'm seeing some crazy stuff now. I saw some demonic stuff. I'm, 
I'm being introduced to the concepts of like being prophesied over and having words of knowledge. And it was so spot on and it rocked me of like, God sees me. He knows mm. what I'm going through. Yeah. And he still has a plan and a purpose for my right. life. I'm not abandoned. Like I felt so known and seen in many ways and comforted and exposed that it, it, it rocked me. And then I got invited to go be prayed over and be filled with the spirit. And, and I had a bunch of red flags that pop up. Oh, I, I can't do that. And, and anyone that speaks in tongues, they must be demonically afflicted. And they're like, oh, well, that's not what the Bible says. And they read me all these scriptures that I'd blocked out as a Southern Baptist. Like, we don't talk about those things. Mm, yeah. So long story short, had a powerful experience and breakthrough, felt God's presence. Like I, 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 to that point, had never felt God's presence. That was a powerful, tangible experience. I was just weeping and shaking. So a little while later, that group invites me to go to India. We have some weird experiences. Here's the main one that was unique that believers will find it interesting. There's a guy that we meet. He's a worship leader at this small church in India. We're outside of Mumbai. I wasn't having the interaction with him, but I got to be a part of the deliverance later as an observer. Long story short, he's, he's probably 19. has a little gold chain cross on his neck. He's leading worship, and my buddy notices, like, something's off. My buddy was kind of... Um, discerning. He's from Houston. Dale Jenkins. Shout out to Dale if you're listening. He's mm-hmm. like a spiritual big brother. Um, he notices something off. He asked the guy later, he's like, hey man, have you ever had any anger issues in your life? And he goes, oh dude, I have so much anger problems. I just can't break it. I don't know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. Always been here. He's like, well, can we pray for you? Because he's like, he knew we were a ministry team and he's a worship pastor. He's just like, oh, thank God. Someone can, I, I can talk about this. I can't talk about this anyone mm-hmm. else. They start praying for him. He manifests a demon. Long story short, wow. this the spirit of murder had been in his life from his great grandmother. The demon told us, "I have a right to be here because I entered when his great grandmother killed someone." There was like three neighbors on a border of a property in India, and two of them plotted together to kill the other woman and take her property line, and did so. And the spirit of murder entered her and passed down to the third and the fourth generation. That's a that's a scripture, yeah, and. You know, a curse can be yeah. passed on to the third and fourth generation. Yeah. And this demon is sharing this stuff. It's crazy. And at some point, this guy's necklace starts like burning on him. We'd, we'd put anointing oil on him and stuff like that. And he's like, ah, oh, it's burning. He rips it off, throws it down. And, and we were like, what's the significance of that? And he goes, oh, it was passed down from my great grandmother. It was like in his wow. family line. Wow. So eventually he cast that spirit out and he gets crazy freedom. And he didn't even know about it. So we're telling him, you, you can silence the demon that's True. talking. Yeah. And then bring the person back and you're like, hey, did you know something weird's going on in your family from your up the line? He goes, yeah, there's always been something really taboo in our family. We never talk about it, but I knew something was there. So wow. that got unearthed. Wow. So I'm, I'm seeing some of that. I'm also in this season of life having like prophetic dreams. I'm waking up and I'm like, that was a weird wow. dream. I'd call this person that the dream was about. And I'm like, I'd read their mail. I'm like, dude, are you going through this right now? And if this thing happened, he goes, who told you that? How'd you know about that? Wow. So as a Southern Baptist kid, I'm starting to see the full Bible. Yeah. Acts 2 come alive. Yeah. And I'm it's like, alive. there's, there's yeah. so much more. It's exciting. I don't need to go drink and party. Like, yeah, yeah. this is what's fun. Like yeah. seeing God's spirit move and people coming alive so and getting good. freedom. This is what I want to live for. And yeah, I, that yeah. got me fired up. And anyway, I've been through seasons of high and low. And sure. you're like, you feel like, God, are you real anymore? And, you know, that, that can ebb and flow in the feeling yeah. side of things. Just like you guys are. You're married. I don't know if you're yeah. married, but yeah. I'm not married. Not married. But I, I'm not married, but I know about the ebbs and flows of, of marriage and things like that. What, what's with the. No, I just. You're like. I would, I'd love oh. to die. I didn't. 
I didn't know that. That's another part of my journey. That's that's probably the hardest part of my hopes that hasn't come to fruition at this point. But that's a whole other side point or tangent. Sure. We don't have to go down that rabbit trail right now. No, I think it's great. I think it's it's cool. Everything's an open book for me, but like I said, let's keep it focused. No, we 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 might have to have you uh, back a few more times then to to tell all these stories. But yeah, I just want to um, I want to stay here because this is really good. This is real life. Like, oh yeah, this is. I've heard several stories like this as well. I've seen it. I've seen, um, other people who have you know they there's no reason at all why they would lie about certain things Mm -hmm. on the demonic side, but on the flip side, on the good side and on the gentle side, Mm -hmm. God is so gentle with how he can communicate through other people in the prophetic. And if somebody has never had, um, not a weird prophetic word, I mean, there's tons of weirdos, but I mean, Lindsay and I have had, a prophet speak over us mm-hmm. that was very, it was a very normal situation. And all he did, he just said, Hey, I'm going to pray for you guys. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to go through this and never met the guy. What, he had no Intel on us at all, mm-hmm. but he spoke um, some, some very confirming words of knowledge into our life at the time. And in the future with just some things that God had already been revealing to me through the Holy spirit, and man, it is when you experience that, you come alive mm. so much. Yeah. And when you come alive, it's just like you said, I don't need to do all this other stuff. Like I, I just need to stay here. Mm-hmm. I do need to follow these rules, quote mm-hmm. unquote rules. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to ruin this. I don't, I want to rid everything out that could possibly hold me back. I want to stay here in the flow. Um. But I'd, I'd, I want to pause for a minute and, and we'll edit it out. But I feel like you've got a word of some sort. Is that? Oh, dude. We, we don't have to do that right now. No, I really feel like. Oh, we do. I, I, feel like, word. I felt like the spirit said that. He put that on my heart. And, I, and I, so we can edit this out if, it's, if you don't want to. But we, we'll, we can do it. We can do it. Another, we can do it in a little bit. Okay. I, don't wanna, I don't want to do it. on. I don't think it's appropriate to do it on the podcast. All right. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to forget though, right? I don't usually forget. Okay. But am I true? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, for me, you know, when it, when we're talking about the prophetic, for me, it is the beautiful thing, um, how God, he can tangibly kiss earth still. Mm. Right. Like mm. he, he, it's not a, it's not a weird thing. It is, it is our heavenly father. He's seeing us for who or he's allowing us to see how he sees us prophetically, right? When, when someone's is a true prophetic or, and again, I don't want to say true or not true because I believe people, I believe first off, all of us can walk in the prophetic at some level um, because I believe it's a gift that God gives. Um, But, but when, when we are, um, when we, when he, when we begin to hear a word from someone else that we don't know or, or words of knowledge it's him. It's a, it's a kiss on earth, right? Of, of like, yeah. Hey, I see you right yeah. where you're at. Yeah. Right. And I know exactly where you're at and I know your heart and I know where you're going to go. And it's this, it's this comforting love and this, um, trajectory that he puts in front of us when that happens. And so, 
I, I know personally for me, I don't even know how we got on the prophetic, Kyle, but, but. but well, <laughs> I was curious. I went on the, all the, his experience. He mentioned it as part of a story a couple times. Yeah. And me also just knowing from the Southern Baptist perspective, it's, wild. it's wild. It's not really, you don't talk about that. Yeah. Like yeah. it is not talked about. It is, it is, it's not like. The only thing you talk about is like, we're going to pray for someone to get healed. Not, not, I'm going to pray for you right now to be healed. It's like, Hey, if it's sister, God's will, sister Sue I'm gonna pray. Yeah, yeah. is in yeah, the hospital. Yeah. Let's all pray for her. Yeah. That's the only thing you pray for. You don't, you yeah. don't believe in, in the other gifts of the spirit. Yeah. You kind of read about it and like, well, that happened back in Jesus's day. Yeah. But I mean, just like we've experienced it, we, we actually experienced this together when, when we were with Steve. Yeah. We both had a confirmation from the Holy Spirit where we felt like we needed to go back to a specific point when he was telling his story. But when you get in environments with the right-minded people, the, the people who are going in the right direction in the same direction, there's an unlocking effect that happens that brings this alignment to, together even stronger to allow the spirit to move, not just through, through Ian, but I believe right now the spirit is moving through all of us in this exactly. room. Sure. And at any given point, somebody might have a prompting that, and, and, and a lot of people experience this. And this is the thing. Most people actually experience this, mm. but they think of it's just their own thought. Yeah. yeah. yeah most Christians. Let's, let's go into that. Most yeah. Christians experience this. They, they experience the prophetic. So I'm a big believer too, Nate, just a little bit of my, I believe in prophesying over yourself mm. and your own, and your own, and your family and your kin, right? Mm. Like your own group, like, Hey, this is, you know, why do we need, and again, sometimes we need it from an outside source that like mm -hmm. God uses an outside source, but also there's, there's an unlocking when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you too, that, Hey, I can, you can do that over yourself too. Right. And a lot of Christians, we get these thoughts, we get these nudges, we get this, I wonder if, and it, you're right. And we don't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. We stay very silent. Mm -hmm. um, and we stay very, because it's quote unquote taboo. We we back away from it and we're like, Oh no, that's just my own brain thinking. Mm. Right. Is you know, taboo or is it like poverty gospel? Like I don't it, deserve that. I don't or, both. God wouldn't have that for me. That's right. And, yeah. and so it's this, I think about it like, um, it's just this unlocking whenever we begin to do that, when we ever begin to see it as like, I talked to like, have you ever had this dream? Like I, I felt this recently. Um, um, I shared it with a church recently. Kyle was there. Nate was there. Nate, you were there. I forgot about that. I who, shared, who, what, I, I shared it with Derek uh, Golden. Golden. Oh, Pastor okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that we, you know, that God was to begin to unlock prophetic dreams and prophetic visions of them, of individuals. Mm -hmm. So when we, we have these thoughts of our future, a lot of us go, like you said, the poverty mentality, we go, ah, that's not going to happen. That's goofy. When in reality, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us prophetically in our own minds going, this is a piece of what I have for you. Not a hot dog dream, not I ate a hamburger, I drank a weird, you know, shake or something. I, you know, yeah. woke up weird, but something that resonates. You said it earlier, yeah. when Ninja Warrior hit, there was something in my spirit that went, that came alive. Resonated. Right, that resonated. Resonate. That's, yeah. that's prophetically, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that's prophetically going, hey, you got to walk in this, yeah. right? And I think we as believers experience that a lot more and we need to dive into it when the Holy Spirit being is the prompt. 
on, on your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask this question all the time. Lord, is this for this individual now or is it for it later? Right. And um, I, be, I really begin, believe you begin to see some fruit from that. Um, and people can begin to walk in that um, at a new level. And I think it's happening more than we, when we realize. Well, what did he tell you just about five minutes ago? Is it for later? A little bit later. Okay. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit it's later. clear to me. Sorry, listeners. No. But uh, so do you have any thoughts on that? Because you said, let's stay here for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to get your thoughts I do. too. Well, you said something. You were like, it doesn't have to be big, over the top. You didn't say weird or spooky, but you were saying God will do this very gently at times. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I took that to, to say, I think some of us, especially me, I don't feel that I'm very prophetically gifted. And when I saw more of the Holy Spirit activation, I, I wrestled with this. I don't think God really speaks to me or through mm-hmm. me. And because I haven't had this crazy encounter where God gave me I, the things I've heard people describe at times it's a very impressive, like, wow, that's amazing what he just sure. downloaded and you shared. And in that pastor I talked about from my time in Katie, he, one time from the pulpit, he he stopped and he goes, you in the back, is your name Roger? And the guy's like, yeah. It's like, is this your first time here? He's like, yeah. It's like, do you know anyone here? He's like, no. Pastor Steve goes, I, I saw you this morning. I was praying in the spirit and God downloaded that you're going to be here. Your name, you've never been here. Your wife just served you divorce papers. You're losing your family. Da 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 da. And he said he's going to restore this. And he mm. like lays out everything. Wow. And this guy is weeping. And this is my first Sunday there. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? What? What's going and on? So, I love it. And this guy has a life change. He's, he felt extremely seen. He felt exposed a little bit, but seen. It was seen, it was powerful. Yeah. And that pastor did it in a tactful way. He knew that congregation. That was kind of incredible. If you want to think of it that way. Yeah. And it. I, I could get intimidated by that and be like, God doesn't speak to me. So I, I want to spin it back to what Kyle said. For those listening that may feel the same way I have at times, like I don't know that I get these downloads like God gave to Ian or that he's, he's done for others. God must not really speak to me in this way. I'd say it's also much more simple and we could dismiss it. That's right. So here's an example yeah. of not me having it, but having it happen to me. The other day, I had a good friend of mine that had messaged me and she's like, Hey Nate, how are you doing? And I was like, not good. I just kind of professed my love for this girl that said, Hey, we're just going to be friends mm. in a nutshell. First time I've ever like really gone for someone that I'm like, I, I could marry this girl and hopefully she's not listening, but <laughs> <laughs> I go for it. I get more or less rejected. The first round was that night when we were at church. Yeah. So I don't remember everything you said. Cause I was kind of out of it. Like, and then at the night we were at, it was actually in the back anyways. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought if you shared something from wherever I was Oh, no, I was in the back. Yeah, yeah. But this this second round of this kind of happens. I was pretty dejected and just like, God, I don't understand, man. I've been doing all the things. like, And I get this message from a friend. She's like, hey, I had a dream about you last night. And, and in the dream, you were just silent and quiet in the back. And it just seemed kind of weird. I just wanted to check in on you. And I like cry when she sent that to mm. me. I was like, thank you for checking in. I yeah. kind of feel alone right now and feel like God's abandoned me and, and to some extent. And it was like, boom, just a very simple. She's like, I didn't think the dream meant anything. I didn't know. It was just very normal. But I just thought I'd share. And that spoke to me. It was encouraging to me in that moment. So I would just say with many of us, I'm, I'm sure there's times when you just kind of have a passing thought for someone. Oh, I should reach out and just say hey so to good. them. And you're like, yeah. nah, I'll do it later. But every once in a while, when you do that, 
you may get the response back like I have. Oh, thank you. That was that was God. I was praying for a clarity, a breakthrough. Thank you for just giving me that little encouraging yeah. thing. That's prophetic. God's, God's putting something in your spirit. And it doesn't feel like, oh, God just gave me this download. This guy named Ricky Bobby is, you know, Correct. whatever. And he's he's got six kids and he's going to drive off a cliff in three minutes if you don't call him and do this. That yeah. That's cool movie script, Hollywood Jesus, but it's not, Man, not yeah. so practical. So yeah. I hope that that might spark no, someone, just a reminder, because I had it in a very simple absolutely. way. That's it, the, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Yeah. He's a gentleman, yeah. right? And a lot of times we see it dr- dramatized because of yeah. uh, own individual's wants or, or, or thoughts that it needs to look a certain way, but yeah. it's a conversation and it's a, it's a stirring. And so um, that's a really great reminder for yeah. most, all of us that, hey, when those when those touches of the Holy Spirit come, mm-hmm. you know, you need, to, you, need to, you need to act on them because we don't know what's on the end of the end of it. Yeah. So true. Um, you made the comment. I mean, it, it comes down to this. We've got to be in relationship so that we can trust that what we're hearing is from the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it takes a little bit of testing initially. Absolutely. And, you know, to decipher what's our thoughts versus, you know, the Spirit's thoughts versus maybe something. I can assure you that, you know, the the Holy Spirit is not going to ask you to do anything that doesn't align with Scripture. Percent. But at the same time, we've got to be walking in a daily relationship with our Father to be able to truly have the discernment and, and know now we can be obedient. Can I be completely transparent? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's just this whole, like this whole, I have felt, so I, you know, I guess the, the cat's a little bit out of the bag. I've walked in this gift for a little bit now and, and I have felt completely defeated this week coming into this because of just all the busyness. And you made a comment earlier, like, Hey, why do we stay in this flow? Like, why do we do this? And it's because of I don't want to lose connection, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that the father, I've lost connection, right? But this is the this is the beat me up self, Ian, that's kind of coming out. Like, I just haven't been in, into my word as much and I haven't been um, as connected or I haven't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so just this, this conversation has stirred me back up going, hey, wait a second, right? Like it's, there's there's grace there and it's okay. But I, I came into this weekend and like you said, we're doing the breakout session. I came in a little defeated, not a little defeated. I came yeah. in a lot defeated just because I was like, man, you know, it's just, it's, it's been kind of chaotic, right? Going on right now. It's, we've been all over the place. It's busy. And, um, but this conversation for me has re-engaged and re-stirred me going, you know what? My feelings and my, um, my my emotions have nothing to do with what God is trying to download and do yeah. through me. Mm. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. My feelings of if I feel inadequate right now really don't matter, mm. right? They don't. And in fact, that's a very selfish approach to doing doing this because it's well, I don't feel it. So if I since when does God speaking through someone have anything to do with feelings? Right, right. Or since when does God moving have anything to do with someone's feelings or emotions? It has very little to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it is, um, thank you for bringing, bringing that up because yeah. it, it, it has encouraged me to well get out of my, we pity both party. have had, um, you know, I shared with you this morning, we went and ran this morning and we were having a conversation Got and I said, I said the same thing, um, where I just felt like, man, I just, the, 
it hasn't felt as flowy, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? It, and it, and it's because we just moved. You know, there we we shared on a on a previous podcast. We're both we've already moved. We're in the house, but we're still in boxes. He's currently about to go through that. So I guess the you know something that that is important here is to stick to the routine of yeah. what you know, and and what you know is I got to wake up every day, at least find some time to carve out of my day to spend time with God and pray. And that's all it really is. And and we pray to him like a friend. Like we don't have to just put him like on this, such a pedestal where we don't feel Mm -hmm. like, and don't hear what I'm not saying. God is completely worthy of all of this, but he doesn't want that type of relationship with us. He doesn't want it to feel like our traditional Americanized version of what a dad and a son's relationship looks like. It's much more (laughs) gentle. (laughs) It's much better than that. It's much more friendly. It's much more conversational. And I think, I know I personally just until I, you know, really started seeking this out on my own was in that same thought process too. But all that to say, when we get um, in the midst of just chaos and, and allowing our schedules to overtake certain aspects of our life, it is going to be easy for the enemy to creep in. And if we're not careful, then that little door crack now becomes a door wide open for the enemy. If we don't get a hold of that, um, I'm just, I don't know how we got onto this topic, but I just, um, you know, your story is, is bringing back, uh, I know me personally, it's, it's giving me a lot of confirmation and just why we're here. Like, this is just kind of like, I don't know. This is the first interview we're doing. We're kicking off the weekend. We're here. Every time we've come to these things, we just have an incredible experience, an incredible encounter with God. And that's the expectation, right? Anytime, like we can create this atmosphere. That's right. We can create the atmosphere around us. And so. Two or three are gathered. Absolutely. No, it's the truth. Good. One thought I had on, as you were sharing some of that, we have the Southern Baptist religious duty mindset in some degrees and that's it's negative in the sense that it's a duty or you have to it's positive in the sense of oh i get to and there's there's principles that i can live by and be consistent Mm -hmm. with this to yield fruit and jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commandments when i read that when i was younger i was like i read it through my dad's voice you love me you're gonna keep my commandments yeah like oh yeah i'm doing these things so that he's gonna love me Mm -hmm. yeah but Jesus asked us to fall in love with him mm-hmm. and it'll be easy to do the things that um, he has for us in the yeah. Southern Baptist lens. Of, yeah. There's some things we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. You know? Dude, one of my and favorite shows right now that we've talked about this a lot is the chosen and mm-hmm. strictly because it shows how gentle Jesus was Dude, like a baby. Every single like how he, well, how he is like how gentle yeah. in nature he is and how much personality he truly has. Yeah. And as a kid, you just don't, you don't get that yeah. being in the Sunday schools yeah. and doing all that. But um, yeah, we really haven't gotten so far down the path of the American Ninja um, journey. But I mean, where are you right now with your spiritual journey? I mean, obviously you competed and um, after that you ended up, I know you, you, I'm summarizing your story a little bit just because I know you quit your job at, um, you know, being an engineer and um, and you're just kind of like, you're kind of a nomad, you know, if you will. You're a single uh, guy. I can make it worse. You, uh, I can make myself look even worse right no, now. No, it's not a bad thing. It's nah. honestly, this it's is not, like, this is the Paul. Like this is yeah, yeah. like, 
the the singleness of Paul is what allowed him to truly like really be all in on his faith yeah. in the midst of his time of writing the the books that he wrote and just living it out and and just professing the name and spreading the gospel like that's kind of how I see. I see like this this Paul anointing over you a little bit, and I'm not I, like being, I, I may want to reject that Paul anointing. I feel the call to be married. Well, you are writing a book, <laughs> you know, and and who's to say if I Paul, don't want the single Paul anointing? If Paul if Paul wasn't you know killed at an early age earlier age, who's yeah, to say yeah. there wasn't a a, yeah, a Mrs. A Mrs. Paul yeah. <laughs> on the other side of that? But yeah, what it what like what's got you fired up right now? So. There's a few pieces. One, I've never really talked about if I'm being interviewed or talking about some of the story. Typically, it's around the Ninja Warrior stuff, and some of it's interesting and flashy. Some of there's some really cool God stories in there. So we've been on different places, which is fun for me. Yeah, so I enjoy having this interaction. So as we skip most of that and we go to the place of quitting my job, another TV show that was a crazy miracle, and then ended up winning that. That's how I met Steve Weatherford soon after, mm. and he basically said. I can see that you're stepping into something else that's more people oriented. In my engineering job, I couldn't impact people. I saw very few people. I could impact my own bottom line. But I, I knew that God had been placing a desire in my heart to impact others. So it was kind of a leap of faith. I move up to Frisco and get plugged into a few places. I, I've quit my job. I have no income coming in. I've got assets and resources and things. A little, that bit, a little bit of earnings. I've got some earnings and things oh, yeah. I've invested in. but. I had no active income and I like to live within my means. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to live pretty lean when I go up here. Long story short, I'm subleasing an apartment that's ending and I'm making a little bit of money here and there from speaking events that are just kind of popping into my lap. And I'm like, all right, I can't afford it, a Frisco apartment up here. I still got my house in Houston. I'm, <laughs> I'm mostly renting that out. And in that process, I'm wondering like, what do I do up here, God? And I, I joined this small group. It's a freedom group. And in there, I joined it because this guy who's been a part of this church for six years, he's like, this doesn't work, man. This is just a bunch of BS. And I'm like, why doesn't it work? Well, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, he would never actually follow through and do anything. He wouldn't mm. actually go through no, a program. Actually, he wouldn't yeah. show up consistently. I was like, how about we go to this together? You pick the night that works for you. And I'm going to show up with you and I'll be your accountability. He picks Tuesday night. I'm like, I'll be there. Give me the location. We show up. I'm telling you this story in the lens that where God has been bringing me, when I finally let go of my career, it was my only place of security. Ninja Warrior didn't pay you anything. I, one, you want to be responsible and wise with finances, but also grew up without much. I had very little. So I was like, this is now a great career and they're paying me well. And God, it felt safe to me, but it didn't feel like God's best and it didn't feel like the place of impact. And I was like, but what happens when I walk away from this? Like, I don't really have anything else built up. I kind of have this athletic thing. That's where this TV show came in and yeah. all of a sudden paid me really well. That was a cool blessing out of nowhere. The only thing else, else I had quasi lined up was a little bit of speaking, which didn't have much financial tie to it. But God had been telling me, hey, I'm going to bring you through a season of taking care of you where you're not going to have to work for it. And I don't want you to work for it. You have to receive. I, a little mm. bit of pride of like, I love blessing other people, but I don't really like receiving. Yeah. I'm not worthy of it or or that means I'm slacking off or something. God have been showing me in different ways. I want you to see that I, I will provide and can provide for you and that you can trust me in that mm. instead of always having to work for it. Because there is the side of someone being lazy and not willing to work. The other side sure. of someone who will only work. We probably all know people who 
can't receive anything. They'll mm-hmm. give a lot. They'll work yeah. a lot. But it's, it's, I don't know if I'd call it pride, but the lack of trust. I felt God prompted me in this place. So I'm going to this Bible study thing. I'm about to have to end my sublease in the apartment. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm moving next. What am I going to do? What's a wise decision here? The guy that I'm bringing to this Bible study thing quits going. He quits. I get plugged into the group. And it's at this mansion of a place in Frisco, Jerry Jones's first neighborhood. Hmm. Meet the guy who's, who's running the whole thing. We hit it off. And then two weeks later, he's like, hey, I heard you're looking for a place to live. You need to come move upstairs. I got four bedrooms upstairs in this 9,000 square foot home. You need to come live with me right now. And this guy is a king in the prophet, priest, warrior, king yeah. sense. Yeah. And he's one of the leaders and founders of our church. Wow. And, and I was like, oh, moving with you. Uh, like, I, I heard your story. I, I talked to somebody at this conference last year over here at, at um, the Global Summit. He's like, you need to move in with me. I was like, well, uh, uh, I can't accept that. I don't know. Is his name Rod? Rod. Rod. Yeah. Yeah. Rod Vilhauer. <laughs> <I was just laughs> <thinking. laughs> so I live with Rod Vilhauer now. I had a prophetic word for Rod at this conference last year. You were that guy. You Rod t- told me about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> so, well, that's what, just, we just talked about this yesterday we before we left. He was like, he's obviously got something he, stored up maybe he, for you, he, Nate. He, he couldn't remember exactly who you were. He's like, if you come across this guy, he gave me a prophetic word or something. He's like, I'm going to call him later and, and be like, hey, I got the guy. Because he had something he wanted to say to you other than it was powerful what you told him. So, where, so you, anyway, you, you were moving process, in with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I felt gave, a little bit of yeah. a, like, you know, when you get that tear moment, you're like, what are, you, what are you saying, God? Yeah. I'm not sure where I'm going with that one, but I, I felt that. So as I, I had this place, Rod's like, move in with me. I'm like, my pride was like, no. And then my false humility was like, you haven't earned this. Or there's a few things that, that popped up. Long story short, after a month later and someone coming back from this conference, they're like, you need to move in with him. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. It's been a cool God blessing. Mm. And then a few other things have happened, like both provision of where I know I'm not called to go jump back into a regular job right now. Like I know what I'm doing is is the right place, but it's like you have to build a foundation. And sometimes it's like, ah, this is this sucks. This is hard. Yeah. And I'm I'm going through the the humble spots and a lot of things. And and I feel that it's transitioning out of that. Just had a cool call with with a publishing agent just before this. Maybe it's a God thing, maybe not, but it, where I am now, it's like I've seen God show up and provide. And now mm-hmm. I feel him saying, all right, now I go sow some seeds and work again. Mm-hmm. Not that I haven't been working. I've been working, but yeah, in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So that transition is I'm feeling the, the call and the spur forward as I am kind of a Paul because I have been traveling a lot and speaking at different places, schools, churches, some corporations. It's a little weary in certain sense. So I'm, I'm learning yeah. like the balance of my old self of just do all the things. And if it's for God, you better do all, all of them. And then we know in the church world how people get so burnt out. I keep myself in a place of balance because I'm not performing. I'm not working for God's approval. Well, sure. I am. Sure. But in the same sense, yeah. I'm accepted. Yep. And so let me be effective, but not stretch so thin and, and having that right balance. So I've been able to live in more of that. And what's next? It, there's a few up, more up of the it. things. Like there's some, there's some potential TV shows that I'm, I'm hopeful for, I think. I have a unique platform and space in that area. And, I, and I've seen God prepare me and test me. And then it's been effective. So I'm like, I'm, I can be a unique voice right now. So I'm like, God, if you want me to do some more of these things, I'd love to. That'd be fun. Or I could just retire from all that and go plop down and do more business stuff. Yeah. I'm going to be a quasi ministry guy for a long time, I think. Dude, but, but I, I just, I just wanted, I'm glad. I don't know if we're about to wrap or not. Yeah, but we probably, I, I, 
I'm glad I got to hear, again, I didn't know you very well, but I'm glad I got to hear the non-Ninja Warrior Nate story. I really didn't want to dwell on that. Yeah, dude. I, 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 I think it's, I think it's even more, I think God used it obviously as a platform, but he's yeah. going to use you and who you are quite a bit more. And so, um, well, I think too, like, you know, when we had Steve on, we didn't talk about football. We yeah. didn't talk about the same thing. It's like, we don't want to talk about what somebody has done or yeah, performed sure. for a living. We want to get to your heart because that's how other people can, can relate to you. And, you know, cause it's easy to lose sight that like you were almost 30 before that even happened to you, right. you know, arguably as normal as they come. You know, oh, yeah. before that, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not and, an insult. That's no, I'm an average a, Joe. Well, I mean, normal guy, like, yeah, like you're, you're obviously uh, strong and, and good athlete, but, um, man, I just can't thank you enough for, for carving at the time. And I think yes. there's a lot of nuggets that people can get from this, but, but more than anything, it's the, it's that this, this life and this, these types of transformations, um, they can happen quickly. Or they can happen slowly, but however they happen, for me, they just bring so much peace to my life. Yeah. And so when you're living in a, in a, like a state that you're kind of in where you really don't know what's ahead or what's next, you seem at peace and you seem like you're just, that there's trust there. And it's not saying that there's some days are harder than the others. Like, you know, just a couple of weeks ago when you professed your love for this, this girl, like you know, those days are going to be out there and they're, they're not going to go away, but you can still have a supernatural peace covering over yourself when you're, when you're living in this, this, this true state of spiritual flow. Yeah. So that's a great way to end it. Kyle. Yeah. So wise. Thank you so much, man. Thank we you would, that. thanks. We so would encouraging. Love, yeah, well, we, we would, we would do, um, you know, everybody in justice, if you didn't take us out in prayer. So do you mind, mm. do you mind closing us? Yeah. Mm. Father, thank you for for these two men, for the guys supporting us behind the scenes. Thank you for this podcast and and really this environment we get to be in here, this church in Decatur, Alabama, where a flag is planted for your name, for mm -hmm. your spirit, for the kingdom of God to not only advance, but to permeate the lives and the hearts of those in attendance tonight, this weekend at this church, those listening with us right now in this podcast. And I just pray that your spirit would would permeate our hearts in a deeper way. If mm -hmm. if there was a time in our past that we we gave you everything we had, we said, Lord, we are all in, and you really were able to invade all parts of our heart. If there's a a way now or a place now that we we haven't done that in a while. That maybe that all in back then wouldn't be our all in now. I just mm -hmm. pray for a a shift in a perspective in each person listening that they would. Yes be drawn to you in a deeper way more than ever before and, and, and resubmit our lives and give you with everything we have our life, knowing that it is in good hands and it may not be a safe life. It probably won't be a comfortable life, but God, we know that it can be one of a purpose of passion, of peace, of significance with you and, and really living in true love. And so I just pray for yeah. your spirit to, to permeate this place where we are physically and in yes. the environments that everyone is listening in that they would know your peace that surpasses all understanding mm -hmm. and have comfort in that. Then have joy and excitement and passion for the future, knowing that you have called us to do great things and they can be part of the passions you've laid inside of us. And we want to go for that. We don't want to play it safe. We yeah. don't want to sit back. We don't want to just be ones who hope. 
but we also take action in those places. And so I just ask that you fill people with faith, God, yes, that your spirit fill them with faith in a way that they, they leap forward with action, that they face fear in the way that Joshua 1, 9 says, be strong mm. and courageous. Do not be afraid. Encourage is taking action in the fear. So as I close this prayer out, I just, just remind people to, to be encouraged to, Father, we thank you for your grace, for your truth, for your spirit. Jesus, thank you for how you're moving in the world today, even moving through the movie or the series like The Chosen, just to show you more of your personality. So we want to say how we're, we're humbled and we are grateful for you and for your friendship, but also your, your servant leadership. In all things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. We hope that you feel encouraged by today's episode. Help us reach the masses by leaving a review and subscribing to the show. We'll see you next time.